series on relationship goals, and we are in the process of exploring seven keys to transforming our lives and our relationships. And so as you may have guessed today, our word of the day is patience. And uh, wow, that's, that's not what I expected to see behind me. <laughs> I'll let you catch up. Uh, patience is the ability to wait without becoming hasty, rash, or impulsive. And followers of Jesus are called upon to be patient in their expectations of God's actions and in their relationships with one another. Let me say that again. Followers of Jesus are called upon to be patient in their expectations of God's actions and in their relationships with one another. And so for us as disciples of Jesus, in all of our relationships, patience is crucial. Patience in our relationship with God patience in our relationship with other people, and then, of course, even patience in our relationship with ourselves, because we are called to love God and love others. But like anything that's worthwhile, growing in love takes work. And it doesn't just take work, but it takes time. How many can attest to this fact? Growing in love takes time sometimes, right? Yeah. So, uh, patience is actually one of the more uh, defining characteristics of almost every story that we find in the Bible. If you look through there, patience seems to be a factor. In fact, a lot of the Bible is, is kind of about waiting. Waiting for Messiah, for instance, would be a part of that. And so, uh, Moses is one character that we can learn a lot of patience uh, from and from his story. He's said to have been uh, the most humble man ever to have lived. And if you've seen the movie Prince of Egypt, or maybe if you've seen the Ten Commandments, then you know a few things about Moses. You know, first off, that he grew up uh, as royalty, right? He grew up in the palace uh, of the Pharaoh of Egypt. And uh, just kind of some brief bullet points on his story because we were going to try and get to another part here. Uh, after losing his temper, right, he sees this taskmaster that's beating a Hebrew slave. He kills the man and then he flees to the desert where he lives for almost 40 years. And so you have this guy that goes from being royalty in this palace with everything to being a shepherd on the back half of the desert, right? Talk about patience, right? Patience would be required in that situation. Uh, God chooses Moses to lead his people to freedom. And so we know the story goes that Moses uh, ends up uh, engaging the Pharaoh, right, on this whole thing. I want you to let my people go, right? Let my people go. And then there's this whole back and forth where uh, there's a negotiation, so to speak. Well, the Pharaoh says, oh, of course, I'll let them go. And then he changes his mind. And so different things happen, plagues, back and forth, back and forth, all of these different things until finally, if you've ever been, let me just say this, if you've ever been a middle person in a negotiation of any kind, you know patience is required, right? And so uh, eventually Moses does lead the people out of Egypt. But his real test of patience then begins with the people themselves. Uh, in the book of Numbers, it describes this whole thing of Israel's experiences as they wander in the desert. And the lesson in the book of Numbers is clear. While it may be necessary for us to pass through wilderness experiences, one does not have to live there, right? So even for Israel, this 11-day journey, it should have been an 11-day journey. It ends up being 40 years of agony. 
talk about testing your patience, right? So the journey from Mount Sinai to the promised land, it's characterized by this series of failures, right? On the part of the people, their leaders, and ultimately even Moses himself. But God is teaching them something. He's teaching them how to be his people. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but as God frees them from Egypt and all of the things that transpire until they finally get into the promised land, really even after that, It's a series of lessons. God's trying to take these people that have been ingrained in this culture of idolatry and all these other things, and he's trying to teach them how to be his people. But any time that we're learning something new, there are going to be mistakes, right? And the good news for us is that God is gracious and he's forgiving. And so the first part of this book of Numbers documents how God cleansed and forgave and set them apart as people. And if you think about it, if you know the story, you know that God has proven himself to them time and time again. You know, sometimes we wait around and we're waiting for God to show us something or to say something to us. And then even when he does, we're like, oh, was that really you saying this, God? But I don't see how they could have lived with any doubt uh, the different miracles that happened that they, that they saw with their own eyes, right? Uh, the parting of the Red Sea so that they could escape the enemy, hello, right? Or even the miracle of God's word going out uh, from Mount Sinai as he gave them his Torah, And yet the people still lose their patience with God. And as I started to think about this, I was thinking, you know, much of this kind of plays out like a really bad road trip with a lot of kids in the back of the car. It's sort of like, are we there yet? Moses, I don't like this food. Where's the beef and the grain? I want figs. Right? (laughs) Can we turn around and go back to Egypt? Do you even know where we're going? Maybe we need a new driver. If your kids ever say that, by the way, (laughs) then it's on. Where are we going to get water? Did you bring us out here to die? The parents are all nodding their heads right now. Listen, food and water in the desert, those are valid concerns, okay? But their impatience is revealing something right here. What it reveals is their lack of faith in God to take care of them. And that's a big deal. It's a big deal to God because that's considered to be arrogance. It's actually the arrogance of pride, if we can get there. Whoa, hey, come on. There we go. Pride is the competitor to patience. When we lose patience with God, we're ultimately declaring that we know better than he does. And so pride is actually said to be the root of all sin. Uh, C.S. Lewis said that. Many others have as well. Pride is one of the things that the Lord despises more than anything else. Now, we're not talking about the kind of pride where you're proud that you did a good job on your homework or you're proud that uh, you achieved something. The Bible uses pride in that way as a positive. What we're talking about is pride of a selfish nature. God is aware of everything that we endure. Hebrews 10.36 says that we need endurance to do God's will so that we may receive what he has promised. So in the case of Moses and his people, when they start to think that they know better about what God wants or they know better about how things should go, it's this moment of pride and God is not pleased with that. And so in this case, they never actually get to the promised land, at least this generation doesn't. The people were unwilling to trust the Lord. And so they go, they're at the edge of the land. They send in spies. All these pairs of spies come back with reports saying, oh, the land is awesome. There's grapes that are as huge as my head. It's amazing. But the people there are big too. And I don't think we can take them. So uh, I don't think this is a good idea. Everybody actually except for two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, come back with this report that there's no way we're going to be able to do this kind of forgetting that God said, I'm going to give the land to you. 
And because they were not obedient, that generation was not allowed to enter. And that takes us up to Numbers 20. All of this comes to a head when their impatience becomes infectious and it prevents Moses from being able to enter as well. In Numbers 20, verse 8, God instructs Moses to speak to this rock and it would provide water to meet the needs of the people and their livestock. Now, you have to remember, they're out there in the desert. They're thirsty. They've just been denied entrance to the promised land. Things are not going well. The people are whining. It's about to get really ugly. And God says, listen, I understand. He actually has compassion in this moment, the Bible says. And he's going to give them water. And so he tells Moses very specifically, go and speak to the rock. And I will give people, all of them, enough water for them and for their livestock. Meanwhile, the whining and the complaining and the whining right, keeps going. The lack of the faith of the people, it just becomes this fever pitch. One of the passages in Numbers talks about all the people outside their tents whining and complaining. Can you imagine what that would be like in a camp? If you've been to Cornerstone, you can. Um, but there's this moment where everybody is complaining and whining and upset and Moses comes out to do what God asked him to do and this is what happens. Verse uh, 10 here. Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock and here's what he said to them. Here now, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And then of course he whacks the rock twice and water does come out because God's faithful. But I would suggest to you that the anger even that Moses had in this moment wasn't the issue. The issue here was pride. Again, Moses is considered to be one of the most humble men ever to have lived. But in his impatience in this moment, look what he says. He is undone by that fatal pronoun, we, when he ascribes a miracle to him and Aaron versus to God. Everywhere else in scripture, when Moses talks about God and talks about the things that he's doing, he always ascribes God his worth. He always gives God the credit for the things that are happening. But yet in this moment, in this moment of impatience and anger, all of a sudden, Moses takes credit. Our pride, what it does is it hurries and it says, I know what's right. But humility patiently trusts in the Lord. And so our patience is composed of confidence and hope and belief in our future with God. And what happens with our patience is it builds our endurance and it is the concrete evidence of our faith in our lives. The fact that we can be patient, the fact that we can wait, God's building endurance in us. And when other people see that, they understand, they're like, that's different than everything else I'm seeing in this world. The patience that you have, it's different. Romans 8.25 says this, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And let me tell you, sometimes patience for that, for waiting, especially for God sometimes, can be really, really difficult. Patience with God requires obedience and it requires humility. And if we cast away confidence or this joyful hope that we have in a better future, then all capacity for patience can be lost. If we don't look forward with faith, if we don't believe the things that God says, if we don't believe that he's true to his promises and that he's faithful looking forward, then how can we be patient at all? 1 John 4, 8, of course, tells us that God is love. And then 1 Corinthians 13, 4 tells us that love is patient. God has been exceedingly patient with us, especially in our sin, guys. He offered us his love before anything, right? We didn't earn that. There's nothing we could do to earn that. He extended that grace and that mercy to us, and he's been patient with us. 
he freely offers us that grace and mercy. The Apostle Paul says something interesting. He tells us that the Messiah exercised perfect patience through his mercy that was given to us while we were yet sinners. 1 Timothy 1.16, Paul says, but I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience. Think about that for just a second, for what that says. I received mercy for this reason, that in me, the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience. We all need Jesus to display his perfect patience in us, don't we? I need that. I certainly do. Um, God loved us first and he commanded us to love others and in the same way God is patient so therefore we should be patient with each other. You could say that about all of these characteristics really. Uh, God says to love him and then love other people. God says to be patient with him and patient with other people. God says to be kind to him and kind to other people. It goes down the list. So for us, what does this mean? What does patience mean? Patience is accepting the imperfections of others and allowing someone else to be imperfect. Patience is accepting the imperfections of others. Patience is allowing someone else to be imperfect. Often it's our pride, right? Wanting the things that we want or viewing our needs even, I think, is more important than the needs of other people. And that's what can cause us to react harshly to other people. Like whatever we've got going on in our mind, our agenda, whatever the thing is that we're trying to accomplish, someone else gets in the way of that and anger is the result because we believe that that's more important than this other human being uh, that we've encountered. Uh, Ephesians 4, starting with verse 1 says, and this is Paul speaking again, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So what does all that mean? Paul is alluding to something here that I think is important for us to remember if we're serious about patience, if we're serious about loving and serving God uh, in the way that he calls us to. And I think it all has to do with the way that Paul introduces himself here where he calls himself a prisoner for the Lord. That's not just Paul, that's us. Uh, We did not, again, deserve God's favor or his patience. And the relationship that we enjoy with God was bought for a price. We were purchased. Our Messiah came and gave himself up and brought us back into this relationship with God, which is wonderful. But that also, uh, there's an exchange, there's something that's happening, and that makes God our number one priority. Uh, We are to be servants to him and to others on his behalf, not out of obligation, but out of love. That's what Paul's saying here. This is a love. This is, I serve God because I love him. Everything that we're given is only because of God. There's nothing that we have, whether uh, it's sight or the ability to breathe, the fact that we woke up this morning, everything to uh, the financial blessings we might have or uh, the food that's on our table, the children that we get to enjoy in our lives or our friendships, all of those things, every one of them is only because of God's goodness. We did nothing to earn those things. We cannot create those things. They're only given to us because of him. And so one of the ways that we can honor God is with the very sacrifice of our lives for him and for others. Sometimes that may mean in a literal sense, but more often it means just to sacrifice our day-to-day lives and maybe take the things uh, that we want and put God's priorities first in the things that he wants for us. And so loving God and loving others leaves no room for pride. That's just the bottom line. There's no space in there for pride uh, when we're trying to love God and love others effectively. 
In Judaism, patience is interesting because it's not just about keeping calm and avoiding aggravation when things go wrong, but patience is actually all about trusting God so completely, the fact that he holds our fate and everything that happens under his command. So patience brings us to humility because we are humbled by the fact that we're not in control, right? Do you want to be in control of all this? Some of you do, I know. Listen, you get tired of it real quick. There'll be a lot of decisions. Okay, you know what? Never mind, right? If anyone's ever been in charge of anything that's bigger, well, really, even, even a family, okay? Let's just start with the family. Let's just start with being in charge of ourselves. That's hard enough, isn't it? Right. So you can imagine what it would be like, all of this and more, right? So I'm humbled by the fact that I'm not in control, really, of anything, but I have a God who's able and he is in control of everything. And he knows best. One of the other things that happens with our pride is that it often uh, prevents us from seeing the value in other people. And I talked about that a minute ago. But the person that's in front of you that you are angry with for whatever reason, whether it's the person that's being way too slow in front of you in the line at the store, or it's the guy that keeps changing lanes in front of you on the highway, slowing you down, or whatever it is, a lot of times we can get angry with these people and we have no idea what's going on there. And what we start to do is we feel like maybe, and maybe it's kind of unconscious on our part, but begin to decrease their value and estimation to ourselves, right? Like me getting through this traffic is way more important than whatever this Yahoo has going on, okay? This guy that's waiting for the light to change to a fourth shade of green. Come on, man, what's going on? But the truth is, we're all just as likely to make those same mistakes given the opportunity. So I'm going to tell you guys a story. Early in my relationship with Valerie, thankfully, very early, and thankfully she stuck around, um, God taught me a huge lesson in patience. And he's been teaching her a lesson in patience for the rest of this time. <laughs> but um, we were riding along in her really sweet Toyota Corolla. And... Uh, Times were good. We were chatting, and I remember I became interested in something that was happening on the radio. And, uh, and it really was the radio back then, kids, not the internet, okay? So whatever it was, you couldn't, like, dial it back in to listen to it again. And I don't even remember what it was, honestly. But if you know or love a musician of any kind or an artist of any kind, then you know that the shiny object is very distracting. And so sometimes you'll hear something, and it's like, I go into this mode, and uh, I have this capability. And it's not a superpower. I think it's a deficiency in some ways. I have this capability. Like, if I pick up a guitar or an instrument, I start playing it, I am able to zone everything around me out. Amen, sister? Right. And so, like, I'm in this thing, and, like, I'm in this tunnel, and then all of a sudden, hey, hey, are you with us? Oh, yeah, sorry, you know. So, whatever this was on the radio, I was interested in it, and I was trying to listen to it. At the same time, you know, I think I'd just gotten in the car, and she was trying to talk to me. And so, she would turn down the radio a little bit to talk to me, and so she's very animatedly, and I, and I was hearing her, I knew she was talking, but like I was focused on whatever this was, and so I would turn it back up. And so then, you know, she would go on for a little bit, and she would turn it down a little bit so she could speak to me because it was so loud, and so then I would be like really frustrated, like I'm trying to hear this thing, so I'd turn it back up. And so then she kept talking to me, and she would turn it down a little bit, and then I would turn it back up again, and she would turn it down, and she had no idea like that this was bothering me or irritating me or anything. She was just trying to talk with me, okay? 
Neither of us were intentionally engaging in any type of conflict. And we're just going along. She's trying to talk. I'm trying to focus on the radio. She turned it down. I turned it up. She turned it down. I turned it up. She's completely unaware. And finally, the last time, you know, and I'm starting to get really frustrated. The last time she lowers the volume, I was like, stop touching the dial. And I smacked her hand. Yeah, whoa. I will never forget the look of disbelief and horror on her face when I did that. She began crying immediately, and I was so ashamed. I'm even ashamed now of it. That's not me. Like, that's, if you know me, like, I am not by any means a violent person at all. And it even shocked me, this response. It was one of those moments of clarity where I heard God speaking through this mistake. And he's just like, yeah, what was that? You need to figure that out, right? So here's this beautiful, kind, wonderful woman, which were pretty hard to come by for me, right? Amen, brother, that's right. (laughs) Here she is, and all she wants to do is spend time with me and talk with me, and I'm so focused on this other thing and engrossed in hearing something else that I won't even listen to her. How long did I pray for this to come along? A long time. Amen, brother. That's right. (laughs) I knew in that moment that was not the man that I wanted to be. So I immediately apologized and she graciously forgave me. And when I actually asked her permission to share the story, she barely remembered it, which is, oh, thank God, right? Now she knows it again. But um, that's, in a way, that's a blessing to me, you know? Our goal, guys, in every relationship is to love others and treat them the way that we want to be treated. Every relationship, everywhere we go, no matter who it is, Our goal is to love them and treat them the way that we want to be treated, and I would never want to be treated that way. I could have stopped in that moment and said, hey, can you hang on so I can hear this? And here's the thing. It's often the people that are closest to us, our spouses, our children, our friends, they're the ones who get the brunt of our impatience. And yet they're the people that should matter the most to us because that's no different than the rest of the world, right? God wants us to do better. I believe that he does. So when we stubbornly focus on a mistake of someone else or a weakness or this perceived offense of someone else even, we ignore what it will take to solve the problem at hand because it's really about the problem, not the person. It's about whatever the issue is and yet we always make it personal it seems. So relationships will have conflicts, okay? I promise you, no matter what relationships that you're in, they're going to have conflicts. That's just the way that it works. But those conflicts should all be met with patience. There's nothing wrong with wanting our feelings to be recognized. Speaking the truth with respect to the other person is what acting out love looks like. Speaking to, being willing to take a step back in those moments where maybe we're frustrated and deal with that person the way that we would want to be dealt with. Um, One of the things that Gary Chapman says in his book is this, patience gives us the freedom to let go of our need to be right all the time. We could just stop there, right? Patience gives us the freedom to let go of our need to be right all the time, and it allows us the peace of putting relationships before the selfish desires that rob us of joy. Hopefully you're here today because your goal is to change. 
is to be transformed. And hopefully you're here today because your goal is to love people more, right? We're called to do that. We're called to be that. And so if we want to be those people, we have to remember this, that everyone is in process. Every single one of us is in process. You may meet somebody that looks like they have it all together. They're the CEO of a company. They've got everything laid out before them. The world is their oyster, so on and so forth. They're still in process. They're not the person today that they will be tomorrow or the day after that or a year from now or a year. And hopefully we're all growing in a positive direction in this process. But we're all at different places on the road in the process too. And that's one of the great things I think about the kingdom of God is there is room on this road for everybody to be in process. And no matter where you're at on that road, the, you have the encouragement of your brothers and sisters. You've got people in front of you. You've got people behind you. and You've got people with you especially Jesus, and I think that that's really important for us to remember. Life is this slow journey of becoming the people that we choose to be, guys. It's a choice. We have a choice. We want to become the people that God wants us to be, but every day we have a choice to make on whether we're going to take that step forward or we're going to take the step backward in what God calls us to be. Discipleship, I've said it before, but discipleship is a journey. It's not a destination. We're not... The arrival will be when Jesus arrives, and even then, I think there's more to do, okay? But discipleship is a journey. We're moving forward, right? It's not a destination. And we have the power when it comes to people and the way that we respond. We can choose how we respond to other people in any given situation. So patience is not only this inner peace that we might envision, but it's also an outer peace. It's the ability to endure situations of all kinds and remain level-headed, And so out of balance, patience usually appears one of two ways. It can be extreme anger, as I demonstrated earlier, right? Frustration, rage, and aggravation. Or it can be this extreme display of apathy and indifference and disengaging from the situation. And for most of us, it's usually one or the other when this happens. In the heat of these day-to-day interactions, we become really self-focused, and it's very easy to forget that every person, right, has different emotions, different ideas, different desires and perceptions. And every person, like even in this room, each of us has been formed from a different set of circumstances. Even within families, right? You've got all these kids, but every kid's different. And every one of them was formed in a different way based on their relationships with their brothers and sisters, their parents, the people around them. But the great thing is that each of us has the ability to make choices too. So being patient means loving a person even when they make choices with which we disagree. Ooh, did you just say that? Yes, I did. And I have children. (laughs) Being patient means loving a person even when they make choices with which we disagree. If if we lose it, we uh, spout off harsh and condemning words. And listen, I've been guilty of that before. We get upset What we do when that's what we lead with is we become an enemy to that person in that moment. That's what happens. You're drawing a line, you're becoming an enemy, and human beings respond to this type of engagement, harsh words, in one of two different ways. Either they fight, like, okay, it's on. Bring it, old man, right? Or they flight, they run, they flee. And even in the fighting situation, you may win the argument, but you're still gonna damage the relationship. In the fleeing situation, people shut down and they disengage, they run. That can lead to walking wounded, right? Being surrounded by people that are hurting, but no one's talking about it. It's a silent, awkward thing of us avoiding each other. And neither of these things produce healthy relationships or improve the situation. 
Neither one. So when we have differences and we choose to control our temper, what we are choosing to do is to keep that relationship intact. We strengthen the potential of positive influence when we express our concerns in a loving manner. And so here's something that was new to me in thinking this week, and it was this. Patience is not passive, right? We think of patience as waiting around for something to happen. But the truth of the matter is, patience isn't about waiting, Patience is about caring enough to listen compassionately with a desire to understand what's going on inside the other person. We're talking about relationships. Viewing every interaction as this opportunity that we have can go a long way to helping us be patient. And remembering that every person is in process is huge too. Every person is in process and is loved by God. And what happens when we remember that is it realigns our perspective and it helps us respond in a positive way. So the question then is, how do I do this, right? How do I foster patience in my relationships, especially my relationships with other people? And so I'm going to give you four steps to activate patience in your relationships. And the first one is this one, stop. This is the first thing we have to do. When we get into a situation where uh, there's tension, where our patience is tested, things can escalate quickly. So the first step that we have to make is we have to hit what I'm calling our personal pause button. And sometimes that's really hard when you're in the middle of a thing, right? Maybe with your spouse. You're both going, like it's about to explode, like it's going up and up and up and up, right? It's like you have somebody, somebody has to be the adult. Whoever's the adult in your relationship just hit pause, right? See how that works. <laughs> what does that mean? How do I pause? Well, it could be, for you, it could be taking a few deep breaths. Uh, Julius Caesar, I thought that was interesting. When he was provoked, what he would do is he would repeat the whole Roman alphabet before he allowed himself to speak. So go home, learn the Roman alphabet, and then repeat the whole thing before you allow yourself to speak when you're engaged in a situation that maybe is a critical one or is a like a uh, kind of situation, find one of those for yourself. Maybe it's memorizing a scripture or a passage about patience and reciting that to yourself or maybe out loud if it's necessary, I don't know. Just to hit that pause button, to take a moment. Uh, science is actually starting to prove uh, what the Bible's told us all along, that when we start our day with uh, prayer and meditation, even 10 minutes in silence with God, it can actually set us up to be more successful in these types of engagements throughout our day. That's pretty cool. So that's the first step. We have to stop. We have to hit that pause button. We have to disengage in a way. And then the second thing we have to do is a look. Patience focuses on the problem, not the person. Take a look at the situation and remember that the goal is always loving relationships. I read this this week, and I really wrestled with it because I wasn't sure if I believed it or not. I'm going to throw it out to you guys. I think I do believe this, okay? Patience isn't patience if it has a limit. Patience isn't patience if it has a limit. And the reason is, is we all have quirks and faults. Um, My mother, many of you know her. She comes here pretty regularly. Um, She was awesome as a mom. She had eight kids, okay? The patience of a saint, But there came a point with my mom, and you knew when it was, that if you eventually crossed the line and pushed her over that line, you were done. And it was worse than wait till your father comes home, okay? 
it was bad. Like if you didn't want mom to cross that threshold, because if she did, the rest of the day was done. There was not going to be a whole lot of pleasantness in your life for the rest of that day. And so this tells us that patience isn't patience if it has a limit. And I'm struggling with that, but at the same time, I think it's true because unless we can look at this other person, and again, we're talking about, you know, the goal that God has for us, but it's like if we can't look at this other person and give them the freedom, the freedom to be in process, the freedom that we hope they would give us, then we're always going to find reasons to be angry with them. And I think this especially applies sometimes in uh, working or office relationships. And, and I'm going to start saying this, and immediately someone's going to flash in your brain. Hopefully none of the people that work with me, but um, there's the one person in the office that you have, or the one person in your life that you would describe as an irritant like sand in your eye. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what they do. For whatever reason, that just really, they just kind of drive you crazy. Well, this tells us that when we don't give them permission to be in process, if we don't give them permission to be in process, then we're always going to be able to find something to be angry about. We're always going to be able to find a fault uh, with certain people. And so what God challenges us to do in all of our relationships is to allow other people to be in process. And so uh, when someone, um, when something's happening, we have to focus on what the problem is and not the person that it's associated with. Okay, so that's number two, look. Number three is listen. When somebody is angry, use listening as a tool to address their frustration. And this is challenging sometimes, I'll be honest. When you're in the middle of like it, the stuff, stopping to listen is really, really hard. But the truth is we cannot have a loving response to another person if we haven't been patient enough to get the facts. So you can ask my children, I'm notorious for this one, okay? It's like as soon as I hear what I think I hear, I'm like, oh, no, we can't do that because... And then I have my lovely wife says, you didn't even hear what they're going to say. It's true. So what we have to do is we have to ask questions. Not asking questions to try and poke holes in the theory or go all Perry Mason on them, right? Or Judge Wapner, whatever you want to choose there. What we're trying to do is we want to understand the other person. We ask questions. We want to know what their thoughts and their feelings are. Patience, let me just say this too. This is important. Patience is not agreeing with the other person to avoid argument. That's not patience. Patience is entering a dialogue to understand the other person's thoughts and feelings and behavior. We may not like their behavior, but understanding what's going on in a person's head and their heart and their mind can give us a way to form a more constructive response, a way to talk about it. And when we listen before we speak, we are much more likely to speak healing words versus hurting words. James 1.19 says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. It takes a lot of patience to put aside our anger when we're waiting to hear someone else's perspective. But it's possible. And in the end, gathering information and going to the person that's involved in moving on actually is more efficient. It takes less time to do that than it does to probe at someone else's weaknesses or to be angry. I think about how much time has been lost in our relationships because we're walking around either silent or angry. When we're patient with people, it's much more productive and patience is always the most efficient way forward. So that's number three, listen. Number four is respond. 
Harsh and condemning words always create tension. That word always, always can create tension. Patience calls us to speak truthfully in love. Our goal is to respond in love in every situation, and that means responding with a positive voice. Love is positive. So Gary Chapman uses this example. You're upset. You had a friend. You'd scheduled a lunch with this friend, and um, she failed to arrive. She shows up 30 minutes late, and you have a few options in this moment. You can either let her have it and launch into all these words expressing your anger and your hurt at her lateness, or you can ask questions and you can listen. So you stop, you take a deep breath, and you look at the situation. You love this friend and you don't want to run the evening. So once you get the facts, you realize that her lateness is in fact due to her own irresponsible handling of her schedule. You're once again faced with a choice, right? You may even feel that your anger at her is legitimate. But even then, you have this option on how you can respond. Your words can either express your impatience by condemning her behavior, and this will probably lead to an argument or some harsh words, and then even if you end up hanging out for the rest of the evening, it's not going to be very fun. It's going to turn into a fiasco. But if you can express your anger but choose to exhibit patience by saying, I must confess I feel angry, hurt, and disappointed that you were late. But I don't think either one, either one of us wants to spoil our time together, so let's put that behind us and enjoy our evening together. Now listen, three things happened there. You were honest about your feelings. You chose to be patient with the imperfections of the other person, but you expressed all those things in positive words. Patience is a skill that's built over time. You may try this, and you may fail. Don't be hard on yourself because, right, we're all in process. You have to forgive yourself. You have to be patient with yourself. Patience is a skill that's built over time. You can't rush that. And so this includes this patience that we must have with ourselves. And sometimes, guys, not sometimes, we are going to mess up. <laughs> Let me just say it that way. We're going to lose our patience. Even after today, we're going to walk out of here, and it may be the very moment you hit those steps, you're like, why didn't some yahoo come out here and shove all this? I hate winter snow, right? Do you know what this is doing for my seasonal depression, Lord? <laughs> We're going to mess up. <laughs> it's going to happen. It may be behind that slow person on the sidewalk in front of us, that guy waiting at the light for it to turn green, trying to get out the door on time with children, waiting for someone to show up so that you can start your meeting, waiting for the wheels of bureaucracy to turn. How about that one? Waiting for an adoption, maybe? Waiting for someone you love to get their act together, waiting for God to come through or to show you what's next. And many, many more. There are gonna be times that it's difficult for us to remain patient. So I think it's important for all of us to have compassion for ourselves as well. We're all in process, guys. This is a journey of disciples together. That's why relationships are so important to God because we need each other in that regard. And so if we're impatient with ourselves, we are much more likely to be impatient with other people. 
And what we do is we hold other people to this high standard that we hold ourselves to. And often the standard that we hold ourselves to is unrealistic for anyone. The things that we want to achieve or the way that we want our day to go or that it has to just happen. Everything has to happen like clockwork for this day to be successful. We're setting ourselves up for failure immediately. We've got to have some space for grace. And I just made that up. It's pretty good. Someone write that down. We've got to have some space for grace, man. We've got to allow ourselves a little wiggle room in our day. We can't pack everything in there so tightly that uh, we frustrate ourselves and we set ourselves up for impatience. Those standards are unrealistic for anyone. And so we're all waiting, right? We're all waiting for the day when Jesus will return. And as we learned earlier, the testing of our patience is preparation for what is next. And so I want to leave you guys with this, James 5, 7, 8. So brothers, be patient until the Lord returns. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. He is patient over it until it receives the fall and spring rains. You too, be patient. Keep up your courage for the Lord's return is near. Would you guys bow your hearts with me? Father God, we love you, and I am so thankful for your grace. I think sometimes uh, I'm just humbled, God, that you would choose me, that you would choose any of us, and that you would give us second and third and fourth and twelfth and 24th and 72nd chances and on and on. God, we know that not only are we important and special to you, but every human being that you've created in your image holds a special place in your heart. And who are we, God, as people to devalue your creation? So God, I pray that you would use our lives as an example of your grace, of your mercy, of your endurance, of your long-suffering, of your patience. The same long-suffering that our Messiah demonstrated to buy us freedom. May we be servants of the Lord God in every aspect of our lives. And I just pray to you, God, for those that might be struggling uh, with patience today in their life. Whether it's waiting on a prodigal child to come home, waiting for a change in their life situation waiting for someone to say yes or to say no. Whatever the waiting is, God. I pray that through your spirit that you would give us the power and the endurance that we need to choose you and to choose your way every, every time we're faced with waiting. And God, I pray for the people in this room and those that can hear my voice and just as a a fellowship, a congregation as we patiently wait for what you're going to do with us. I pray that you would empower us with your spirit and that you would prepare us for what comes next. We love you and we thank you. And all of these things are in the name of Jesus. Amen.